Welcome, Warriors, to another exciting episode of Chevrons, a podcast for the enlisted force. Today, we've assembled a panel of first sergeants. We're going to dig deep into the career field, what it's all about, and get their advice for anyone who might be considering moving into a challenging but equally rewarding career as a first sergeant. In addition to our panel of shirts, we've also got a wing command chief to provide top leadership perspective on this very special duty. With that said, my first question to all of you, starting with you, Chief, so let me get your rank, name, and what you would consider your primary career field outside of the first sergeant or command chief corps. We're looking for a little bit of background. So what's your military story, Chief? Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having us here today. Uh, chief Master Sergeant Chris Hurl. I'm the command chief of the 102nd Intelligence Wing. Uh, I've been in the Air National Guard for a long time now. Uh, I started off in the avionics career field on uh, the F-15s and worked my way through all of the avionics shops. And then when we, uh, when our planes moved out west and we became an intelligence wing, uh, I became a geospatial analyst, an imagery analyst, and I worked my way up through the intelligence uh, group before becoming uh, the command chief. Great, great. Sergeant D'Angelo. How's it going, Master Sergeant D'Angelo? Um, here from the uh, 102nd ISRG, uh, 102nd ISS. Uh, my story um, was originally with the uh, Air Operations Group. Uh, eventually, I went over to the uh, 202nd Cyber Intel Group before I landed over in uh, civil engineering with Master Sergeant Townsend. Uh, after that, I, w I uh, became a shirt, and now I'm here. Hi, everyone. This is Master Sergeant Shelby Rice, and I am a first sergeant of the 101 IS, and I was a 101 imagery analyst prior to being a first shirt. Um, and then before first shirt, I was an additional duty first sergeant as well. Um, my military story is pretty quick. Um, I was born and raised in the 101 IS, and I still remain here 14 years later. So that's it. Awesome. Hey, Tim, this is Master Sergeant Bradford Townsend. Uh, currently, I am the 102nd MSG Mission Support Group Master, uh, excuse me, First Sergeant. Uh, and I came over from CE. I was the Structures Shop Supervisor. Um, and then prior to that, I was, uh, I was in Mobilecom at the 101st Air Control Squadron and then to the 267 Combat Communication Squadron. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so a question to, uh, to all of you, and then we're going to continue to go around the, uh, around the horn in the same order. Um, how did you see first sergeants early in your career when you first joined? What was your impression of them? Did you see them as disciplinarians, as mentors? Were they accessible or were they far out of reach? Um, how have your impressions changed over time? Well, um, you know, I've always seen the first sergeants as somebody you could talk to uh, if you needed any kind of help or uh, advice. They've always been uh, very accessible as far as I'm concerned uh, and good, good people to talk to and good people to help you so, uh, be supported. Um, and then since I've uh, been in any kind of leadership role, you know, I found the first sergeants to be uh, pivotal to the success of uh, any organization. Uh, you've heard me talk about the, the triad before. I, I really believe in that. And uh, it's kind of the, you know, the uh, commander, the um, senior enlisted leader, and the first sergeant. And they all kind of cover each other's gaps. Uh, everybody has gaps, right? And t together, the three of them can make a really strong team. And uh, for me, that's always been a, a strong point of uh, my leadership uh, skill, right, is to try to make that a strong team and keep that. I find it very helpful. 
So when I first joined in the AOG, it was a bunch of us young kids. And uh, I would say it was very rough around the edges, kind of a uh, troublemaker. <clears throat> but there was a lot of us young, 20, 21-year-old kids. And our first first sergeant, I'm not going to say any names, but she was very positive. Uh, we had a very uh, officer-oriented group. So we had a ton of fun. So a lot of morale events and stuff going on. So she was very present. I always saw her around. She was in all the workspaces. She was engaging with people. But I think back then I didn't really even know what a first sergeant was. I didn't realize, like, the magnitude and kind of what responsibility she had. I just knew that she was there and she was taking care of people. And she would check in. And, you know, I didn't really want to talk about anything anyways. But she was kind of, like, herding us around kind of call it like herding cats oh sure you know we're just doing our own thing no guidance and she go around in the hallway and you know herd the cats um i really respected her and i think now that i look at it you know back in the day what she was doing for us i mean i would say that that was more impactful by not even realizing the importance uh, and then you know i've had some along the way where the first sergeant's roles and responsibilities seemed like we were doing, you know, uh, drug testing and stuff like that, where, like, that was the highlight of it. And, you know, their, their personality was kind of hindered due to some clerical uh, things we had to take care of. So I didn't really get to see that piece from a different one. But, you know, um, early on, I didn't really get to see the importance. But the later that I get into this game, you know... Um, the more I try to emulate off of my first one to be as reachable as possible because it's real people with real issues. So I'm hoping that, you know, the further I get, you know, I could be seen in the hallway and checking in on people and somebody feels like they can just come talk to me, you know? Excellent. Sergeant Rice. Yeah, I think similarly to Sergeant D'Angelo, as an airman, um, I was a good airman. <laughs> so, um, for the most part. Um, so, I remember seeing first sergeants around the unit, um, especially as a DSG and during drills, um, and noticed they had a little diamond on their rank, and I just thought it was really cool because I knew they were important, um, and it was always kind of someone to look up to, and they always um, had that positive vibe and kind of like the openness to talk. Um and throughout the years, it's kind of gone up and down as far as first sergeants being um, accessible. However, I think I'm in this job because um, of mentors prior to me becoming a first shirt, um, specifically um, the 101 IS shirt. Uh, now that we have an AGR position, uh, she was more um, accessible and prevalent and kind of how I handled uh, situations as an NCO and offered me a lot of perspectives. So um, if it wasn't uh, her mentorship and also me becoming her additional duty, um, I think I don't really know where I'd be. So, Sergeant Townsend. So my first experience with a, with a first sergeant was in tech school down in Mississippi, and it was a good experience. Uh, I walked into the office, and he had sandbags set up in his office, and he had camouflage all over the place. And, of course, he had a a dish of candy, which was, which was very, very important. And we had a really good conversation. And from that point forward, I, was, I decided I wanted to be a first sergeant someday. It's just, this is what I want to do. 
And then I get to my first duty station, uh, and you were there at yep. the 101st, and right. uh, Master Sergeant Ron Darling, he probably stood at 6'2", 6'3", real old school kind of first sergeant. I mean, he could have been cast in a Mark Wahlberg movie, you know. <laughs> Gravelly voice. Yes, yes, yes. And it was, you know, you, you, you wanted to emulate, emulate this guy. You wanted to be, you know, Sergeant Darling. You know, then I came, to, I came here to the, to the wing, and I've had some really good experiences with a lot of, a lot of first sergeants. And then, you know, from me being a first sergeant, and I go back to what I've told some of my, um, some of my peers and some of the people that used to work for me as a, when I was a supervisor. I would say, take the person that you want to emulate and emulate that person. Take all of their good qualities, but also look at all of their bad qualities and change what would you change and how would you change it? So that's that's kind of how I approach it and how I how I do things. Sure, sure. Um, question three, um, and we're going to go skip right over to Sergeant D'Angelo because uh, Chief, you 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 uh, you were never a first sergeant, were you? I mean, not. I've never been a. Uh, I've never been a shirt. But as the wing command chief, I am the functional manager for the wing shirts. Sure, sure. Uh, it's my job to help it advise and guide the first sergeant team and try to make try to help make that be the best team that we possibly can. Provide them with commander's intent. Uh, I try to forecast the manpower, uh, lead selection boards, but it's all based around uh, team building. Right, and then track their training, and uh, I kind of work with the first sergeant fam when, whenever uh, I need to. So uh, I am heavily involved with the first sergeants. Sure, sure. So my, my question to Sergeant D'Angelo, uh, when did you realize you wanted to pursue becoming a first sergeant? Was it right from the start, or did you eventually come to the conclusion over time? You know, Give us a timeline in your career. When did that, uh, that switch get flipped? Uh, it wasn't from the start. I can say it was pretty selfish from the start. Uh, I merely joined just to get the educational benefits and to try and get to my next step. Uh, I was recruited with a pretty nice, you know, signing bonus and student loan repayment and all that stuff. And I had zero desire to uh, even join the military. But thanks to Chief uh, Degnan, who was my uh, best friend's mother at that time, she knew once I got in, that it was going to change everything. But, you know, you're 19, 20 years old. You're just like, hey, I'm trying to get paid. <laughs> so, you know, fast forward 13 years, I uh, was uh, deploying. I deployed with uh, Sergeant Townsend. And um, I knew I was going to miss the birth of my first child. And I was in a pretty, pretty bad place. Didn't want to go, but reality started to set in. Uh, I was at, you know phase four or five of the, uh, what do you call that, uh, grieving cycle, I started to accept that I wasn't going to change this. And, you know, that was my worst nightmare is, you know, you wait your entire life to have a, a, a kid. And um, she was born three days after I left. So we were sitting in Germany, yeah. you know, trying not to sulk in my own misery, but I had a good supporting cast with me. And I find out that there's like four or five other airmen who are younger than me in the same boat. So I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, crap. Um, all right. You can be one of two things. You could be like a whiny little whatever, or you can decide that this is your reality, and they're kind of looking at you because now you're a master sergeant. It's time to lead by example. So I took that on, and then we finally get over um, overseas, and um, I'm starting to use 
helping people as a distraction tool for my own little personal value. Like, so I'm just taking on things to kind of help people out and sort their lives out. And it was a way of kind of coping with my inner pain. Sure. And it made the six, seven months go by really fast um, to where, like, wow, like, it's the end. I enjoyed it. So I think that was the first time in my military career that was really, like, you know, serving people helped me. Whereas, like, throughout the path, I was kind of, like, self-serving and, you know, getting frustrated with my happiness in the military. So you get back and you're kind of on fire. You got a six-pack and jaw lines back and you're ready to go. And you're like, oh, <laughs> as soon as we get back, they're like, oh, we're looking for first sergeants. I'm like, all right, sign me up. That's awesome. Uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, one of the consistent themes in this career field is, uh, how rewarding it is. And it sounds like that is what the bug that caught you first. It is. And I didn't have a choice, but if you give people a choice on base, it's like, Oh, do you want to sacrifice your time and your energy and your emotions and your days off and your phone calls and your family time to help other people? You ask any sane person who isn't in a, in a, in a, in a bad place, they're going to say no. But I was reading the other day, we were talking about like some of the one of the best things to like somebody who's grieving loss or going through a traumatic event is to distract them by helping people. So you, you often see that like sometimes people who get through the grieving process of this is by helping other people in need. So, so sometimes you don't realize it's exactly what you need until you're in a bad spot. So, you know, you'll see later on in the segment, we're going to say, well, why do you want to do this? Try to get other people to do this. I don't think you realize how important it is for you to kind of take this on for your own personal growth. Okay. Sergeant Rice, when did you want to become a first sergeant? So I never had um, this goal in mind to become a first sergeant. I never really thought it was an option or it wasn't really in the forefront. Um, originally I was a DSG for half my career and I was just gonna, you know, join the military, get my degree and get out. Um, clearly 14 years later I got the degree, but I'm still in. So, um, and then eventually came on orders to work the mobilization, um, and applied for an AGR job. And then I realized, okay, this is going to be my career. Um, so as soon as I became an AGR, I, had to think about what my goals were and like previously mentioned the first sergeant that helped me kind of um you know just be a better nco and kind of honestly just be my therapist in a way um i realized a lot of the the different opportunities that a first sergeant is able to do outside of being um an intel analyst which um i wasn't super passionate about that job um but uh, so that's kind of why I steered more towards helping people. Um, so I applied to be that first sergeant's additional duty, and I got the job. Um, and I did that for two years, and I did a lot of things. I saw a lot of things, and I realized the the weight of the position as a first sergeant. Um, and so it was super beneficial, a lot of eye-opening experiences, perspectives, and just overall, like, understanding, like, what people are going through, um, in life and not inside the workplace um, is pretty eye-opening because not a lot of people talk about it. So I liked having the aspect of caring for people and helping people um, find solutions to their problems and just being there for them. So when it came to my job um, coming out um, and putting in for it, 
I definitely hesitated to be a diamond wearing for sure because my time as an additional duty, I realized the weight and the responsibility and the time that it took to be an awesome first sergeant. So um, at the time I had two kids, um, dual military. So I really had to kind of talk with my family and see if it was the best for us. And um, because I knew if I was going to put in for it, then I was going to go all in. So I really needed my family support for that. Um, And thankfully I got that uh, put in for it and was selected. Um, And I can't imagine doing anything else. That's awesome. So in Townsend. So I, I previously stated that, you know, when I was in tech school, back in 1994, <laughs> a long time ago, that I wanted to be a first sergeant. Then I had a, uh, I had a large break in service. It was 15 years. Yeah. And I came back in. I was 45 years old, and I was restarting my career. I came back in as a staff sergeant. And then I lined myself up to make sure that I could get promoted on time and do, do everything that I needed to do. And I, I became the, um, the shop supervisor of structures, and like Anthony was saying, we, we deployed to, uh, to Afri- Africa together. And, um, and, and like him, you're working with these people in, in the shop, and you're kind of doing that first shirt, that first line, first shirt kind of job before it goes to the actual first shirt. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed helping people at that level as opposed to the, the customer service level that we typically do in CE, right? Sure. So uh, at the time that we came home, there was an opening in CE for, for a first sergeant. So I applied because I really wanted to stay in CE. And I didn't get it. You know, Master Sergeant Kerrigan got it. And I was very happy that he got it. Um, but on the, same, on the same point, I was disappointed in myself because I didn't do very well in the, in the interview. And, and then I just, well, okay, that's it. You know, that was, that was it. That was it. I'm you not threw the towel in? Yep. Well, I didn't really throw the towel in. I just like, <laughs> okay, I, maybe maybe first sergeant isn't for me or sure. or whatever. But then the MSG the MSG first shirt position opened up, and I was approached by a few people saying that I should that I should apply. So this time I took it very seriously, you know, like I should have in the in the first place. Yeah. And I studied and I got to know the position, and I did very well in the interview, and I got the job and. I'm very pleased. And here we are. Yeah, and here we are. <laughs> That's great. Um, so the the fourth question I had for you guys, I think you kind of maybe already covered it in the last question, um, but I'll ask it anyways, and uh, you can let me know if you, know, you want to add on to your answers. Uh, what was the catalyst for making the move when you did? What drove <clears throat> your decision? Uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to touch on this to kind of piggyback off Brad's story because – We all got back. We all kind of wanted to be first sergeants. So what happened was (laughs) there was a a vacancy, and we knew that CE was going to be open. There was a vacancy for a first sergeant. So everybody was putting in – everybody that I knew was putting in for the CE first sergeant. Um, That's what my application was. It was quite clear. I didn't realize that there was an ISRG, uh, the ISS first sergeant. So I thought I was interviewing for CE. That CE – interview apparently or the vacancy got pushed back another month so i was interviewing for a couple different um, first sergeant vacancies so when i found out i was like nah nope nah i'm going to ce 
and um, I'm going to say no. I, you know, sees where I belong. Uh, you know, just spent seven months of my life with these people overcoming stuff. And uh, a couple of people here on base advised me, like, listen, man, you want to go to CE because you're comfortable there. But I'm telling you, you need to stay uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm like, I don't even know what the ISS is. I don't want to be over an intel. I'm not going to be able to communicate with them. I'm, I'm very different than some of these kids. And, you know, I see them walking around and they're smart. And I don't know half the words they're even saying. So I go to uh, an interview with the commander at the time. And I was dead set on saying I'm going to wait till next month for CE. But I knew... Uh, there was no guarantees to going up against, you know, Sergeant Townsend and Sergeant Kerrigan, who, you know, can carry their own and have many different qualities that I'm like, I don't know if I can guarantee this, this win here. So I'm like, I need to keep an open mind because if I want to be a first sergeant, I got to take it now. So I walk over to uh, the ISRG and this cold brew freaking on tap and people walking around all happy and cold brew coffee yeah yeah. okay i just want yeah. to clarify for the audience yeah and i'm walking around <laughs> and the environment is is very pleasant i was surprised because i haven't really been in there and uh, i'm like all right all right well why don't we keep an open mind and i sit with uh sit with the colonel at the time and you know i kind of go through the questions and he puts it right on me, you know. It's like a now or never type thing. And, you know, we already did, like, the tour and this and that. I'm like, crap. I'm like, I feel like this is the right choice. So I took it. And, uh, you know, it's been awesome. So to answer your question, it's like the catalyst to make the move that I did was that I knew I needed to be uncomfortable. I made a very uncomfortable decision to leave what I thought was home. And I found a second one. And I've had a blast there the last couple of years, you know, just, you know, some of their issues to me weren't some issues that I'm used to solving, but seeing, you know, different people with different, you know, walks of life with different types of issues and trying to help them navigate it has been awesome for me. Um, so, you know, that was kind of the catalyst is knowing that like I need to do something different. Okay. Sorry, Rice. Yeah. And I can kind of, pick off uh, exactly what Sergeant D'Angelo is saying as far as being comfortable in the uncomfortable because I think a lot of the times we all get comfortable we kind of go with you know what we know is a safe decision based on you know whatever it may be and I think it's very difficult to kind of you know step into that fear even though you may want it and just kind of accept it and embrace it and go for it so um, when it came to uh, making the move um I kind of spoke on it before. I think it was just kind of knowing that I wanted to do something different and make a larger impact on a different level um, in this position I knew for sure would allow me to do that. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. Awesome. Sergeant Townsend. Yeah, I think definitely that catalyst was that deployment to yeah. Africa. You know, working with Anthony, uh, there, were, there were some problems, and we, we, worked, we worked through them, you know. Uh, Anthony's a natural. It was it, he was. I consider him one of my mentors, especially over there. You know, he was in a good position because he was in the uh, what would you call it, the headshed or the <laughs> the. <laughs> yeah, we were in the uh, leadership tent, so 
we always had coffee. Our uniforms weren't very dirty. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It was difficult to get them out in the field, but we, we got them out in the field. We got them working. Every once in a while. <laughs> Great. Yeah. No, but it, it was, the, it was the, you know, the people problem. So the people problem solving was, was definitely, I keyed in on that. And I, I, really, I really enjoyed it, you know, for the good and for the bad, for, for both. And then coming back and um, having my peers and, my, and my, uh, my mentors believing in me and pushing me to step out outside of my comfort zone. and It was validation you know, for what you were feeling already. Yes. Yeah, yeah take the big step. Because MSG, is, it's, that's, a, that's a big step. A lot of moving parts over there. Yes. Yes, there's lots of different triads. So, yeah. Yeah, so, like, having witnessed, you know, Brad over there was uh, very interesting because, like, you know, usually the shop supervisors, a master sergeant, this one master sergeant in the shop, but they had three. So Brad was the shop supervisor, and they kind of divided the structure shop up into, like, two areas uh, with two different master sergeants. So Brad was more of, like, a personnelist. So with all of the issues with some of the younger airmen that would come in, you know, Brad was the one that kind of had to keep the ship running because these personnel issues got out of control, then the productivity of his shop went down. So I got to see Brad, like, really putting out fires all the time. And, you know, he had more, he had a different take over there than I did necessarily because mine was more of like a, you know, trying to, like, take care of people, do fun stuff, you know, kind of be like Mama Bear. And Brad was, like, putting out some serious, like, you know, drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony was the unofficial first sergeant of, of CE, I huh. think. I think you were. I was just ordering coins and shirts. It wasn't. <laughs> you guys are so sweet. Look it was. It, it wasn't much, but it's honest work, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, but you were doing your thing, and, you, and like you were saying before, it was it was keeping you busy. Yeah. Hug it out. Yeah, hug it out. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, as uh, Sergeant Townsend had pointed out uh, about uh, mentors, um, did you guys seek out a mentor? Somebody who had uh, already done what you wanted to do now, a current or former first sergeant or senior enlisted leader. Was there anybody who guided you through the process, either in the decision making or in the actual nuts and bolts of commission, um, the um, not commissioning, the uh, uh, getting through the academy and, and, and all that? I went into everything blind, actually, um, until I got over to the ISRG and, uh, you know, having uh, Sergeant Rice and, um, you know, uh, Lindsay was over there. Um, I uh, got to see, um, you know, how to really get the job done. Um, they really had the intangibles that I didn't have, and they were kind of established. Uh, so, you know, I, I have my own personality, but I got to see what worked for them. So I kind of got my mentorship through being around those two um, who were doing very well, had the respect of their peers, were able to uh, communicate with people in many different ranks. And uh, it was really good for me because I got to take what I had and then develop into something better. Um, so, yeah. Said Rice. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky um, as far as mentors over the past several years. Um, I think the biggest one over the past few years, even as additional duty and then as acting shirt, and then um, now as um, a diamond-wearing shirt. Uh, my commander has been 
an amazing influence um, when it comes to how to operate and how to work within the triad. Um, currently, I've had two different cells that um, operate differently, but I, like Chief Hurl mentioned, the triad is such a huge role when it comes to first sergeants and leadership and the morale of your squadron. So um, if the three of you guys aren't connected and on the same page, and it's okay not to be on the same page, but as long as everybody else thinks you're on the same page, then you're doing it right. Um, but kind of just being there for each other to bounce off ideas and kind of, you know, give that advisement um, has been super important and kind of just learning how to be a senior NCO as well. Um, so I'm super grateful for um, the chiefs and um, the senior NCOs in my squadron and especially my commander. All right. Sergeant Townsend, uh, let's talk about mentorship. Yes. Have somebody guiding your way. Yes. So uh, after that failed attempt at first sergeant at NCE, I, you know, I was still the, uh, the shop supervisor and I'm 51 years old at the time and I'm looking at the rest of my, you know, career, which would be short <laughs> at that point. Uh, so I, I decided I would, um, I talked to Chief Ahasi and I, I sought him out. I said, hey, I need a mentor. Are you taking on any, any new clients? And he, <laughs> he opened the door with a smile and he brought me in and we had a really good conversation and he pointed me in the right direction. And, and ever since we've been, we've been pretty tight and yeah, he's helped me along the way. Because he was, he was the uh, he was a CE first sergeant, and then he was MSG first sergeant. And so he knew the path. He did know the path. That's great. Yes, it's good to have uh, educated. You know, obviously mentors are great, but having someone in your corner that's already walked the path you were walking. Yes, is, is a big yes, help. definitely, and he's very well spoken and very even keeled. So it's good. Excellent. So. Um, Probably one of the most important intangibles of being a first sergeant is presenting a model image of what an airman uh, should be. How challenging is it to lead the way by being the example in dress and appearance, fitness standards, leadership skills, exceeding the example of what it means to be an airman? Is that a, a challenge for anybody? I would say at this point, I mean, it's kind of expected. Um, I don't. I don't think you know, meeting the standards itself is, is too hard, you know, to, you know, wear your uniform right, to kind of have the whole airman concept, take care of yourself, take care of your mind, emotions, your body. Um, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, not too hard because it, it can be harder for some people. But for us, it's like, you know, I really care about how I'm coming across to other people. And sure. I think it's, I think it's tough to lead somebody else if you can't even lead yourself right um so i hold myself to that standard whether it's the military or not um but you're hoping to be somebody that's gonna uh you know be somebody that's gonna take them out of one of their toughest spots i mean someone's gonna buy into your message you gotta have a certain level of like um salt to yourself Sure. You know, if you're going to expect somebody to follow you, I mean, I know for me at my other place of work as a, as a police officer, some of the, the best leaders are the ones that, you know, you've got to see in action. Uh, we call them squared away. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think it's super important. I take it very seriously. And I know 
you know, people are judging me on that aspect. It's like, you know, who am I to say, you know, hey, you should probably get your hair squared away if I'm walking in with my hair hanging over my ears <laughs> or disciplining somebody or having a difficult conversation about a PT test if I can't do well on PT. Um, not that I'm going to judge anybody based on where they're at, but you're expecting me to hold the line. I better be well up above that line. Um, and it helps keep me in check because I know, like, if, if, if it's, you know, we're, we're getting into the winter seasons and all those nice little treats are coming out. And <laughs> yeah. if I start getting crazy, you know, my, my uh, belly's going to be hanging over and then all of a sudden I'm going to be coming in looking all nasty and I got to, I got to make sure I'm minding my P's and Q's cause somebody's watching me, you know? Yep. So. Yeah. I think that's the thing as leaders that sometimes we forget or even just, you know, as airmen that, um, we are always being watched on like how we operate, what we say, what we do. Um, sometimes I think it's lost because, you know, we're just, we're humans at the end of the day, but I don't find it challenging to, exceed those standards I kind of just find it motivating um, mostly because I want to be a credible leader and a credible airman so if I am you know trying to mentor others and I'm saying you should do this you should do that and I'm not holding myself accountable then why would I expect anyone to listen to me at the same time so um, I think you know throughout the careers we've had leaders that have probably seemed hypocritical because they tell us one thing and do another um, and I've kind of learned from that so if I'm saying one thing and expecting something from an airman, I'm going to do the same. Sorry, uh, I, think, I think the statement, uh, lead by example, takes on a whole new level when you're, when you're the first sergeant. It's, yeah. As soon as you put that diamond on, it's, it's a definite, you know, 100%. For me, it started when I was a, when I was a shop supervisor. You know, you want to be, be there for your, for your people, for your peers. And uh, I've always tried to dress for Dress for the interview, right? Sure. Every day, dress for the interview. Put your pants on if, you, if you're doing a teleconference, <laughs> right? Um, look sharp, because if you look sharp, yeah. then you're going to feel sharp, and you'll be, you'll be squared, like Anthony said, you'll be squared away. I had an old supervisor used to say, look good, feel good, am good. Hmm. Yes, yeah. Like, so, what are you, what are you talking mean, about? The <laughs> physical fitness portion of it, I mean, for me, it's, it's very important as a, as an older guy, uh, I've been I've been studying longevity for the for the last couple of years, listening to a lot of podcasts and doing a lot of reading and trying to make a lot of the, the right decisions. So, excellent. Um, it's important. It's very very important to stay to stay healthy for yourself and for your family and for Great. for your peers for your airmen. Um, so let's uh, let's um, move on and go to uh, talk about the school a little bit. Uh, since the specific steps to becoming a first sergeant kind of differ between the different services and components, uh, let's focus on the process once you get selected. Uh, what was each of your uh, first sergeant academy experiences like? What was your most prominent takeaway? And maybe what was the more challenging aspects of the school for you? Uh, we had, I think it was up to a year to go, but I think you had to put in an application relatively soon. The school in Alabama is um, just under 30 days. We actually got to stay in this, like, five-star hotel overlooking, like, the riverfront. And so you're getting down there. It's a bellhop. I'm like, hey, sir, we'll take your bags. And I'm like, touch my bags. 
So we were off to a good start. Took an elevator up to like the 17th floor or whatever, overlooking everything and this nice, sweet. And then uh, realized that the entire uh, academy is there as well. So we get there and the schoolhouse is super organized. You talk about getting like reblued. Uh, everything there is to make you feel like you're a part of something big, <clears throat> bigger than yourself. So they have a bunch of little uh, classes built up in there. I think there's like 10 to 12 master sergeants in the class. And um, you really get to know them fast. It's a lot of like team building exercises sure. that go on. Kind of long days, but they don't waste any time. So your instructor is usually a senior master sergeant, like an Air Force, active duty uh, first sergeant, or if not, a, re a guard reserve. But they're all really skilled mm -hmm. and have a ton of experience. So, um, I remember we just, you know, the whole class, we're just bonding, talking about dumb stuff, laughing, joking around, the topics come up, we're just all having a blast, but we're still, it's a really good learning environment. I remember being in there because, you know, I'm a police officer in the outside, and we ended up having like three other cops in there. So, we're having a good time. Bunch of inside jokes. Uh, and here we are. Uh, a year and some change later, and my group chat is still blowing up. I got I have to keep it on mute because we still talk all the time. That's great. Uh, so, you know, one of my top three Air Force experiences was going down there. Tremendous barbecue. Uh, we had a blast. There's a ton of stuff to do. Uh, if you're looking to get reblued, it's definitely a great. Uh, academy to have on your resume. So that's Maxwell Air Force Base. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's only um, like uh, Sergeant Angel said, a four-week school. I think a lot of people are scared about applying because they're like, "Oh, I don't know how long the academy is." It's only four weeks. It goes by so fast. Yep. Very, very fast. Very fast, and they utilize your time efficiently. So there's not a lot of downtime. You're learning so many different things, and kind of just like it's almost like a refresh of what you a little bit of a refresh of what you learned, um, whether in tech school or basic, when it comes to just the basics that we kind of forget about. So um, I think my most challenging thing, I mean, it was great, just like um, D'Angelo said, I still talk to a couple of the shirts from my class, and um, I use them as mentors and just peers to kind of bounce off things. Um, and they have different perspectives, and it's kind of just amazing to have that core group, just like our first shirt council. But um, I went during like a peak of COVID. So half my academy, I was virtual via my five-star hotel room. Um, <laughs> however, it was, it took away a little bit of the, um, you know, the, the process of the school, but, um, we were all still able to, uh, connect and kind of just, you know, talk about things that we've experienced already throughout our career. Um, whether it was even our own personal struggles and kind of, you know, coming out from those and now being in a position for a first sergeant. So um, don't ever think, too, that, you know, if you messed up as an airman, then you can't be a first sergeant. Um, you know, it's not a one-mistake Air Force. There's redemption. Um, and, yeah, don't rule it out because of that. So It's only a mistake if you get caught, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we had some people in, in there actually who had a Article 15 and stuff like that in the yeah. past, and that mm -hmm. was kind of like the cool story is that some of the guys who had some issues in the past were some of the best first sergeants. Right. Right. They, yeah. they made a mistake as a young airman. They turned it around, and you know here mm -hmm. they are as a master sergeant helping other people 
get through their ruts. So yeah. you fall in your story. face. I, I noticed that with a lot of the folks in my class too. Mm-hmm. And my instructor had two Article 15s, active duty, senior master sergeant, probably one of the best first shirts, first shirts out there. Mm-hmm. Well, you and fall on your recovered. face, and then you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and uh, and keep moving. It's mm-hmm. it's resilience. Mm-hmm. You That's know? It. Exactly. And learning from your mistakes and. Yeah, he was able to recover from that. So I had the, the, the very unique opportunity to go to the senior academy just before going to the first year academy wow. at the same location. And the difference was at the senior academy, everyone is coming from different career fields, and they go back to their different career fields. So you have the Air Force in common, but you don't really have that career field in common. Uh, and it was fantastic. But then you go to the first shirt academy, and everybody in that class is going to be a first shirt, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an instant bond, like like you both were saying, it's instant bond. So you can you can feel a lot more free to say what's on your mind. You can be, you can feel a lot more comfortable because everybody in this room is going to be going through the same highs and lows yep. as you are, you're right? And then, uh, like Anthony was saying, in the hotels, they had us all stay together as a class in the same different blocks of hotels. So they kept the class together so that we could study together. We could check our homework. We could do carpooling back and forth. Uh, and the classes were very, very diverse. They, they purposely put reserve, guard, and active duty in all the different classes, right, from all different locations, so I went down there with somebody else from, from the 102nd, and we were not in the same class. And I'm sure that was by design to separate everybody to put you, to put you in those classes. So they have a, uh, they have a rotating um, component in charge per class. So when I was down there, it was the Air National Guard component that was, that was the lead huh. component for the whole, for the whole class. So all of the um, all the le- all of the leadership positions were were tasked from the from the guard folks, and then it would go to the reserve and then the active duty. So they just that's cool. Yeah, keeps it interesting. Exactly, and then for me, I think the hardest part was the uh, was the were the counseling sessions. It was it's it's a pressure cooker. Yep. You know, you, you're you're in there. You have no idea what's coming through the door, and that's that's what being a first shit's all about, right? You have no idea what's coming through the door. However. You're on camera, <laughs> and the rest of the class is watching from the, from the next room over, and you're being critiqued, and you want to make sure that you say the right answer because you don't want to have to do it over again. All right. So for me, thinking on my feet can be, can be difficult at times, so you know, it, was, it was tough. We, we got through it. But not insurmountable. Not insurmountable, no. Week three seemed insurmountable when it started, but once it was over, it was like, that was it? Uh, yep. Yeah, it went by fast. Excellent. So, uh, son D'Angelo, uh, in the beginning of this panel, you mentioned being uncomfortable and, and, and as a reason for maybe looking for new challenges. Um, in general, to really grow as an airman, you've got to force yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, but what if your supervisor is your squadron or a group commander and your mentor is other first sergeants and or the command chief? Uh, what challenges does this present? I think, um, you know, should going through your military career, um, you know, the higher-ranking individuals 
um, before becoming a first sergeant tend to be out of reach or out of touch. I mean, there's, there's no way in heck I'm going into a colonel's office and saying anything other than good morning, sir, or going to the chief's office. Not my jam. I don't want to talk to, you know, anybody with brass on their shoulders. I'm looking to stay out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but you realize as you get through your military career, we're all sitting there by the, by the smoke pit or, you know, in the uh, chow hall talking about, man, if I had a seat at the table, this is what I do. If I did this, I'd do that. So you finally get in the position to where it's like, all right, you got two of the highest ranking people in the squadron opening up the door for you to give unsolicited advice tactfully um, to the climate, culture, and direction of the squadron. And then you realize that they're looking at you in a different light. Like you're not that 22-year-old kid. Like you're, you're a grown man now. Right. And then you have the other airmen in the squadron. Like, all right, I hope the shirt is looking out for our best interest too because he's got a very big responsibility in um, having the ear of the cell and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, colonel, you know what I mean? So um, I think you have to be comfortable as now is your chance. And uh, the triad does a really good job of making sure that you feel valued um, because they will ask you questions and they will make sure that you're a part of that team. Um, so... It takes, it, it takes a little while. I mean, the public speaking piece does take some time, speaking your mind. But once the issues start coming in and you're realizing that all three of you are working towards making sure that this place is running as efficiently as possible, obviously mission first, uh, people second. But by taking care of the mission and taking care of people, both succeed. And you realize that everybody's interested in the same thing. This is, you know, winning here. Uh, you become valued, and it gets easier saying you're peace. Because, like, I'm not going to say anything unless it's, you know, geared towards those two things. They know that that's where my heart is at. I know that that's where their heart is at, so it's easier to speak your peace. So, Russ. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, for this position, I got promoted within the position, so I went from a tech to a first sergeant slash senior NCO. So um, not only was I trying to learn being a first sergeant, but I was also learning on how to be a senior NCO, uh, which both challenging as it is. Um, so I relied on my commander and myself at the time to kind of like help me through those things that maybe I was la- lacking or just didn't know. And I think just being open helped a lot. And I think the biggest challenge was just um, you know, having that direct line to your commander and to your cell is just a different, a different thing than I was used to as being a, a tech sergeant, um, one in one. So, um, just being comfortable, and I'm naturally an introvert, regardless of people may see me as an extrovert. Um, that is very false. Um, so just kind of getting outside my comfort zone and being comfortable with um, the commander and the cell, um, it's gotten easier. Um, and it's gotten easier to communicate whether there's issues going on or concerns within the squadron. Um, but I think just the communication between um, those mentors will be insurmountable and um, invaluable, invaluable as well. Um, so I think um, it's just super important to have that relationship with those those members. Um, and yeah, you'll you'll get there. You'll get 
comfortable because you kind of go through some some things together. So you're you're both facing the challenges, and you know officers are people too. So <laughs> sure. just like anybody else, we're human. People have lives outside of here. Um, so it kind of just you know can humanize uh, those leadership roles as well. So Sergeant Townsend, you started uh, right at the group level. So uh, your boss was a colonel. Yes. And you had multiple units. Yes. Under you. So, uh, so same question. Uh, how is it uh, getting out of your, you know, did you have any issues getting out of your comfort zone? It's definitely challenging, but once you're, you're in that position, um, all eyes are on you. But the good news is that you're not alone. You have other first sergeants to lean on, other first short councils to lean on, like the council that we we're talking of, that Anthony was talking about, your class. Sure. Right? Uh, the same, same deal. We, uh, we, we, still, we still talk and we still bounce problems off of each other. So that's the, that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, how am I, I going to do this? What am I going to know what to, what to do? You just, you just, you're not alone. Am I doing it's, it right? Right, right. Am I doing it right? And then, you know, I, I've got a fantastic commander in chief and then at the MSG level, but also have fantastic commanders and chiefs at this, at the squadron level as, as well. And it's, it's challenging because there's all these different personalities. I don't have just one chief and one commander personality. I've got multiple personalities. So it's, it's challenging, but it's doable. It's there. Um, what advice would you have for an airman looking to make the move to the first sergeant corps? Uh, what are some of the things you wish you knew before you started your own journey? I would say just go with the flow. Um, we set so many expectations on our life and what's next and, uh, how I want this whole thing to shake out. I had no idea that I was going to be here. I, you know, and I've started to realize that once you just let life do its thing, as long as you're, you know, doing the right things, setting yourself up, staying ambitious, the opportunities in your career will arise and you'll know when it's time to take the next step. Uh, It might be a tech sergeant out there who is looking to make master um, or looking for another opportunity. It might be a master who, you know, is a seven level and is kind of, um, you know, either pigeonholed and getting to senior or just looking to um, spice things up. Wherever you're at, at some point, this is going to present itself to you, and you're going you're gonna to be questioning it. You're going to be thinking, well, is this for me? You know, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do that. But you're going to be kind of stifled, and you need something to shake it up. This is probably the opportunity for you. I would be honest. Um, like I said to some masters and, and our squadron, you know, there's only so many senior slots, right? So... You can be the subject matter expert all you want. You're going up against four other master sergeants for that one senior slot. And um, one of the things that's going to differentiate between you and the other candidates is, like, your service to others. You know, uh, you, you were, you know, as a first sergeant, you're going to be a part of the, of the triad. You know, you're going to be working on your leadership skills, working on your counseling skills. You'll be understanding the mission at a different level, um, you know, so if you're looking to kind of take the next step and, and kind of um, grow as a person and as an airman, I would say that this is the best next step. So, Rice, any advice for the uh, next round of first sergeants? I mean, if you're listening to this and it's piquing your interest, even at like a tiny bit, I would say either talk to Sergeant D'Angelo, myself, or Sergeant Townsend, your shirt, Chief Hurl. 
Um, there's so many of us that can kind of give you like real talk. We're not going to, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We can tell you how it is, what the expectations are. Um, it's going to be challenging. Um, and if you're up for the challenge and something new, then this is definitely, um, the position to kind of think about, um, in your career. I think too, um, just knowing like if you do have like other shirts that you've seen and you're like, well, I'm not like them and I'm not like this person. Um, I think it's just important to just be yourself. And I think if you come from a caring place and you're genuine with how you conduct yourself and you're, you know, following the core values and all that, you'll be an excellent shirt. So, uh, don't be, you know, overwhelmed by maybe not, thinking you're going to be the best shirt because uh, it just comes down to doing the right thing and helping people. So um, talk to your shirt, talk to one of us. Um, we have a lot of knowledge between uh, the four of us. So, um, yeah. Excellent. Sorry, Tazen. I say go for it. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's very rewarding. It really is. It puts you in that position where you get to, you get to meet a lot of, a lot of different people, you know, and, you know, at first I, th I wanted to stay in CE and I wanted to be the first shirt in CE, but it was probably the best thing for me is to get into a different squadron. Um, I miss my oh, people. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love CE. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I go back and visit all the time, but um, it's, it, it, you should, you should get, put yourself into that uncomfortable position, go to a different squadron. It's not, it's not that challenging because you ev everyone's wearing the uniform, you well, know. And you're gaining a new perspective, but you're also providing a new perspective to them. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. So, yeah, ask the questions. We're here. Uh, so, Chief, I'm going to pull you back into the conversation. Uh, I've had you kind of dormant there for a while. Uh, Thanks. I was feeling neglected. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you all feel like the additional duty for a sergeant program, i.e. The, uh, the undershirt, is a good way of testing the waters to see if it's something that uh, folks want to really commit to as an actual diamond wearing? I think with today's limited resources, the uh, additional duty for sergeants are a critical, uh, play a critical role in the whole wing's well-being. Um, you know, the first sergeant job can be a 24-7 job if uh, somebody is having a crisis that you can help them through at an off time. And, and uh, some squadrons are only one deep, and then some don't even have a first sergeant. They just have additional duty first sergeants. So it's very important uh, to help with the triad, to help be there, to support your airmen. Uh, additional duty first sergeants, they're afforded all the same privileges as diamond wearers. Um, and it, I believe it's a perfect way to transition into diamond hood, get that experience, and, uh, and then bring it to uh, the full diamond wearing. Sergeant D'Angelo. I would definitely agree, uh, considering my additional duty was uh, way better than I was. Uh, <laughs> Master Sergeant Annan, um, she was full-time out there, so she knew all the ins and outs on workplace culture and things that were going on because i mean i'm only there part-time so i get messages whenever something happens like hey listen you should probably you know check into this check into that and then you know i kind of get a good handover whenever i come in to drill um but it's good because like <clears throat> as a male um you know to, to, to honestly say that i'm super approachable to everybody in the squadron is a fallacy where 
as you know, having a different person from a different walk of life gives you the ability to really reach everybody. It's like I told my squadron, and we had a, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, it was, uh, you know, suicide like awareness and stuff like that. And I said to like, there should be somebody in the squadron. Somebody here should be. Um, Anybody in here should be should have somebody that they can talk to or reach out to. And if you don't feel like there's somebody in the squadron that you can be honest, transparent with, and trust, we're failing you as a squadron. So it says, like, I may not be the person for you. I understand that. You know, I'm a middle-aged cop. I'm over here communicating with 19-year-old brainiacs. You and I are not the same person. We don't speak the same language. I don't know what you're talking about. You could talk about this stuff all day. I don't know what you're talking about. But I understand a little bit about life, and you can trust that I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that you succeed here. But the additional duty first sergeant program is important because it, it helps develop more faces and people that you can trust to make sure that you're a valued member of the unit. So, like, I, you know, having Sergeant Han in there is like she's completely the contrast to me so you know they're probably not going to talk to me about certain things they'll talk to her uh, i do want to say though the uh, additional duty first sergeant thing can be a double-edged sword for people who are on the fence however because you're not really going to have to jump in the pool if you you know get to enjoy the pool by you know keeping your feet in there but you know hanging on the side of the pool um, so some people get the benefits of becoming a first sergeant, but not actually having to do everything. So for people who are kind of content where they're at, they get to fulfill their desire to take care of people, but never having to fully do it. So that's what you're seeing is a lot of people who will commit to the additional duty, but not the full thing. So, um, which, you know, a lot of our ad duties are, are would have been awesome shirts. Um, and that's kind of where it stinks is that the turnover is every few years for us. And then you have these additional duties that, you know, would have killed it that are kind of, you know, still in their career field. So, you know, if you're on the fence about becoming a additional duty, I'm hoping that you just take the full plunge. Sure. Sergeant Rice. Yeah. So as far as additional duty for Sergeant, I mean, that's kind of like where I dip my toes in and, I almost jumped back out, but <laughs> I dove in <laughs> for some reason. Um, I don't regret it at all, but um, you definitely get exposed to a lot of what's happening in the squadron. Um, you just gain so much perspective and um, just experience from that position. I've been lucky and I've had um, two additional duties um, since I've been a shirt. And then um, my first additional duty, Sergeant Daniels, she's a DSG I'm an AGR first sergeant, um, and she was amazing. And even when I went to the academy and was on maternity leave for my third kid, uh, she was able to come on orders and fill in for a little bit while I was away and really kind of gain that experience um, full time. So there's definitely opportunities out there. It's just a matter of um, setting yourself up for success and doing the right thing, and um, whether it's volunteering for the councils or being involved in um, you know, suicide prevention training, facilitator, anything like that, uh, talk to your shirt. Think They can kind of give you a roadmap on things that will help you, uh, whether it become an additional duty or a first sergeant. Sergeant Tazen. 
Yeah, I think the the uh, additional duty first sergeant program is is very very helpful. Like the chief was saying, I've got um, in the MSG, I've got a, a first sergeant first shirt in CE. I've got one in security forces, but I have an additional duty in FSS, LRS, and COM. And they're they're rock stars. They're rock solid individuals who have been helping me out tremendously because I cannot be. In six be, different right. places at can't once. Be everywhere at once. I can't. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> no, but they help out a lot. And uh, as far as the class goes, after I took the class, the additional duty class, I, I recommend anyone who's a tech sergeant who wants to become a supervisor to take this course because it, it's it's it was very helpful. Like she, like she was saying, it's, it's eye opening, yep. and it puts you into that position, and you can you can have that additional help. You know, it helps you out in the squadron, and then so, you don't you don't really have to commit fully to being a first shirt. You can, and it's still you know, fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about a lot of the great benefits and perks, um, but full transparency. What are some of the challenges of being a first sergeant? What keeps you all uh, from sleeping well at night? Hmm. Um, I would say that since you're a part of, you know, the triad in the squadron, I mean, all successes and failures of leadership come, you know, fall on you. So things go well in the squadron, you know, everybody gets to enjoy that. But when things go bad, uh, you kind of have to take ownership in that. And, you know, if you really care, um, anything negative that happens in the squadron kind of weighs on you. Um, so if you feel like you failed somebody, I know for me, like if I get the inkling that I failed somebody or I could have done a better job or, um, there's a failure in leadership that kind of weighs on me. Um, the thing is, is like the difference between serving in the military and for me, like serving on the streets is that your customer base as a police officer, you know, the stakeholders are, yeah, sometimes are, are the citizens, but you're really dealing with people that are in a bad place. Sure. To where you can kind of detach from whatever you're going through because it's circumstantial. They're going to court tomorrow. I don't care. I get home at night. I take my uniform off. I'm good. I reset. Here is different, though, where, like, if something bad happens to somebody here, this is sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. And that, to me, is, like, if I couldn't prevent something from happening, to me, it's a failure of leadership on my part. That's my own ownership. If I couldn't see it coming down the pipe, if I didn't do enough background, enough research, if I didn't advocate early enough, if I didn't stop the airmen from doing this, I could have helped them. Um, that, to me, is what, what, what kind of hurts me in, in all of this, especially all the stuff that's happened um, here. Uh, all of, like, the, um, you know, I've had a lot of airmen that have had to be disciplined and stuff like that over things that, like, when you put it into perspective in the civilian world, for me, I'm dealing with, like, felonies and, and murders and whatever. Um, and then you come here, and then you have good people who make honest mistakes that wouldn't even be prosecutable on the outside and seeing it turn the world upside down. And you sit there and you try to give perspective and advice, but it really crushes you sometimes when you see... <clears throat> people going through things and you don't have the answer that they're looking for. So that for me is like what kind of hurts me. But 
still shouldn't stop you from caring and driving you. And that's how I know I still care is it's like the moments like that when, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't change anything in that outcome, but you tried and that desire to make, to, you know, want to continue to change or money more than quarterback yourself. Um, you know, that for me is, is still pretty tough. So race. Yeah. So it's all that there's so many good things about being a first sergeant, but there's definitely many challenges. Um, I think for me, the largest challenge is just, I have 180 people in my squadron. So, um, really being able to connect with everyone. And I think my biggest fear that keeps me up is just not being able to do that and missing something. And then if there was anything to happen that someone couldn't take back, um, I think that's something that I think about all the time, which is, you know, why I've done different efforts within our group as far as having a resiliency team and, you know, constantly just speaking on, you know, the stigma of mental health and talking about my own mental health and my own struggles with anxiety and postpartum depression um, and just being vulnerable, even though it's difficult. I think just um, just kind of talking about those types of just normal life stressors, um, I think helps a lot of people. Um, and I know as long as I'm doing that and at the end of the day, if I feel like I have done everything and I've covered all my bases, whether it's talking to our DPH, uh, the chaplain, um, other resources and knowing, um, I'm doing everything I can for the members, then I sort of can sleep, <laughs> but still sure. there's always just a worry there. So, um, my spiel is just, you know, if you're struggling, I promise you, you're not alone. Um, there's so many of us going through things, um, and you don't, we just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And um, even if people seem happy, that may not be the case. So um, please reach out to the resources. Talk to your first shirt, what those are. We have awesome resources here. We have outside resources. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest challenge is just constantly worrying about everybody and being honestly a parent to a lot of people. Sergeant <laughs> yeah. Townsend. Yeah, I'd like to dovetail off of what Sergeant Rice was saying is, is, is being there, being present. It's with such a large group, with so many people in different buildings. It's, uh, it's challenging. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, what, what keeps me up at night or losing sleep is, is just not knowing you know, maybe not having the answers right right away. It's you know, I, I like to be able to answer that question right away. Or right. not everything has an answer. Not everything has an answer. Yeah. Right. And, and another thing that's challenging is uh, is turning the turning that judgment switch off. You have to be like you can't. Ha you know, this you have to work with the with everybody. Right. right. That's 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 our job. Right. You're handing out decorations, or you're dealing with somebody that that's created a, you know, a heinous, a heinous action. You have to not be judgmental. You have to walk that person through, through all the, you know, all the steps. Sure. And be there for them. And be there for, and be there for their family through, you know, the good and the bad. It's challenging. Um, so given the challenges and the hurdles it took to get where you are, how rewarding is it to be a first sergeant? How does, uh, in the circle back to the beginning of the uh, panel, how does the job compare to what you saw it as in the very beginning of your career? 
I would say that this helped me um, in, in many ways. I'm still, you know, seeing how it's manifesting in my life. Um, kind of burnout on the outside, dealing with unsavory people that you come in here and you're actually making a difference for good people. Um, when you see climate and the morale and stuff improve in areas that you're in, you see people's lives starting to improve based off of some of the advice that you've given them. And uh, it really helps you, um, you know, realizing that these are real people, really good people. Um, you know, it's, it's the esteem builder that I get when I leave drill. I actually really enjoy coming to drill now. Um, for the longest time, it was kind of tough. But I come in a drill and I enjoy it because you walk around and you really get a chance to leave your mark. Um, you know, when I take it on the outside, whether I'm dealing with my family or I'm dealing with random people in, in, in the world, it's like Brad said, it's, uh, you know, no judging. Not having a judgmental uh, agenda when you're talking to people. Kind of just listening. Help me become a better listener. You know, as a first sergeant, you're always trying to, like, have a game plan for somebody or a solution to a problem. I tend to like to be a problem solver, but sometimes people just want to talk to you and yeah. slow things down. It's helped me in so many ways to realizing that, you know what, I don't even have a answer for you, but I'm going to let you vent for an hour. I might find something. I might not. But sometimes people are just looking for the outlet. And, uh, you know, being in the military and, you know, having this position has definitely, you know, helped me grow up some, you know. So, Rice? Yeah, even all the challenges that all of us kind of face on probably the day-to-day -day, um, with being a first shirt, it never will be enough to, like, overcome the positive things and the influence that we have on the airmen. Um, we're not supervisors to anybody. Um, we're kind of just, you know, we're outside of the chain of command. We float around. We talk to people. And, like, understanding the impact that you can have on airmen. And, you know, eventually maybe they become a first sergeant, and they did because of you. Um, is pretty powerful and impactful. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take this opportunity back. I would... I always kind of mentor people that I see have that kind of quality of caring for people and wanting to make a difference um, in this in this role. So um, I don't really see anything more rewarding. <laughs> I may be biased, but um, this position is honestly you won't get anything like it. Sergeant Townsend. Yeah, I, I definitely find this position very very rewarding. Um, it's it's great to see. People, people smiling, working hard, people sharing their stories with you, good and bad, and having that open dialogue. Um, you know, a lot of folks have said that it's a thankless job, and I kind of challenge that. I mean, there, there are times if you're upholding Air Force values, you know, Air Force is not going to come down and thank me. Right. But I walk away, I know that I did the right thing. But then you can also... You get, you get thanks from, from a lot of folks, you know, thanks for talking to me, thanks for coming to see me, thanks for doing what you, what you just did. It's, I, lo I love it. It's great. It's, it's definitely the better part of the job. That's awesome. So we're going to wrap it up, um, but uh, out to all of you, uh, anything additional you'd like to add um, 
to the discussion, something we left uh, left on the table? Sure. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast this long, I encourage you to take the plunge and become a first sergeant. As you've heard from the first sergeants that are here and the rest of our first sergeant team, the first sergeants in this wing are some of the best all-around airmen that I've ever uh, had the privilege to serve with. And we're always looking for those willing to get out of their comfort zone to explore new opportunities and help us keep the first sergeant team strong. So please consider joining our team. I think you'll find it very rewarding. What Chief said. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Tim, very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate appreciate, uh, you all coming out. So so let's wrap it up. It's been a great panel, and I want to thank each of you for your dedication to service, duty, and your fellow airmen. Uh, What you do is important. Um, And as has been previously mentioned, it's as rewarding as it is challenging. So to all of you listening, if you have any questions for the Chevron staff or any of our guests, please feel um, please feel free to reach out to Chevron's podcast at gmail.com. And again, that's Chevron's podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and that's a wrap. <laughs>